Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. I want you to turn with me in your Bible this morning to the 12th chapter of Hebrews. Hallelujah. Are you ready to get into the Word? Hallelujah. I would have fainted, Psalmist said, except for your word. Hallelujah. The 12th chapter of Romans, or excuse me, of Hebrews. I want you to, to pay attention, first of all, just as an introduction to verse number three. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. Weary and discouraged in your souls, in your minds. You know, concerning the coronavirus and the economy, I know I've said this several times, but it uh, bears repeating. Everybody has an opinion. Most of us have several, and they're not always... Uh, they don't always correspond to one another. And uh, it's okay to have opinions. We, we have information coming from every direction these days. You don't always know which is uh, accurate, what's right and what's not right. And so we all have our opinions and, and I have mine. And I'm not afraid of, about talking about my opinions, but I know they're just opinions. But when I get up here, I try to stick with what I know. Because even though we have opinions about these natural things, if you're honest, I know if if I'm honest with you and if you're honest with me, none of us really know what's going on. None of us really know what has happened, what's going to happen in the natural, unless the Holy Spirit would supernaturally reveal it. As far as the, the information we get, none of us really know. But like I said, when I get up here, I want to stick with what I do know. And what I do know is that it is time, if you haven't already figured this out, it is time to get over it. That doesn't mean it's time to ignore it. It doesn't mean it's, it's time to not, to not be uh, cautious and listen to the things that you're hearing. But it's time that coronavirus doesn't have the throne of your mind anymore. It's time to put it in its place and move on. It's time to put the economy in its place in your life and move on. Because things in this world change, but God's word never changes. And you see, whenever you stay preoccupied with the news, when you stay preoccupied, and I'm just as uh, uh, capable of being overoccupied with these things as you are, it's easy to be overoccupied with these things. And when you do, you can become weary and discouraged in your mind, in your soul. And it's, I, 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 I turned this, this, uh, this term over in my mind several times and it didn't quite make sense, but I, maybe I can uh, explain it. Depression, when depression comes, 
in the natural realm. It's a depression is a mental disorder and it's an emotional problem. Of course, depression has a spiritual origin, but it also has natural components to it. That's why they can treat depression with drugs because it has a natural uh, physiological component. So there is what I would call natural depression, but there can be spiritual depression. Now understand the natural depression has a spiritual component, but what I'm, what I'm thinking of is spiritual depression. In other words, whenever a person becomes depressed in the natural, they lose interest in things. They are obviously discouraged. They uh, don't want to participate in life. They feel like uh, just shutting the world out and, and sort of withdrawing into themselves. You know, that can happen to you spiritually if you're not, if you're not careful. You can let things that are in the natural realm affect your inward man. And though you're not maybe exhibiting any characteristics of natural depression, you don't, your family's not worried about you. You're not acting, you know, depressed spiritually. You sort of withdraw and lose interest in the things of God. I think this is, this is sort of what this is talking about here, becoming weary and discouraged in your souls. Your soul is part of your inward man. Your, your true inward man is your spirit, but you also have a soul. And those two are very uh, connected a lot of times. And uh, I want to give you four keys to overcoming spiritual or soulish weariness and discouragement. Discouragement in the Lord. Let me say it that way. There's a discouragement in the Lord that can creep into your life almost imperceptibly at first. You're not really aware that it's happening and it'll creep in and it can sideline your spiritual health. And I'm gonna show you four things today that will help you overcome this spiritual uh, depression or whatever you wanna call it. In this chapter, chapter 12, after he said this, he started talking about being corrected by the Lord. In verse number five, he said, you have, you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. Anybody ever been rebuked by the Lord? For, for whom the Lord love, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastising, of which all have become partakers, then you are Ill illegitimate and not sons. And so he, he went on and talked about the importance of, of not despising the chastening of the Lord. Now, God... Uh, doesn't chasten us. This is not talking about being chastened with sickness or, or uh, you know, some kind of catastrophe in your life or anything that would be contrary to the covenant. That's not what he's talking about. And the reason I know that, now, let me, let me, let me provide balance, I think, that has been missing uh, in a lot of places. Some people say, well, well, God, you know, will never judge his children. Well, that's not true. He does. First Corinthians chapter, chapter 11 says, if we judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are, what does it say? We are what? 
chastened of the Lord. So, and, and in the context, people were weak and sickly and some had died due to this chastening of the Lord. That, that, that doesn't mean that the debt that the Lord made them sick or killed them, but judgment can come when a person persists in wrongdoing over a long extended period of time and the Lord has given opportunity and opportunity and opportunity to draw you close and you just, and you just not submit to him. You can open yourself up where the Lord has to back off and let trouble come your way. Now he will do that and that is a chastening of the Lord, but it's not common. I said it's not common. Two, only two times in the New Testament did Paul ever talk about turning somebody over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Remember in the fifth chapter of 1 Corinthians, he told, told the church at Corinth, he said, when you come together, he said, there's a man in your congregation who's living in open sin. He refuses to repent. He said, when you come together along with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, turn him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that the spirit might be saved in the day of, 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 of the Lord. Isn't that right? Well, now, when you gather together, he said, well, along with my spirit and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, turning somebody over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh is not just something you do flippantly. You couldn't do it flippantly because it has to be done by the power of the spirit. But my point is there is an operation of the spirit are you listening? There is an operation of the spirit where someone can be turned over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. He talked about it one other time. Paul talked about uh, uh, Alexander and, and uh, somebody else. He said, whom I have turned over Satan that, that, might, that they may learn not to blaspheme. So uh, it's not something somebody does because they're just mad with somebody. It's not something that you just do flippantly. You have to be, you have to do it by the power of the Holy Spirit, but it's not, it's not a common thing. Those things were very uncommon that, that he was, in other words, these were extreme cases. Now, the reason I know this isn't talking about this, because it says, for whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. He said, for what son is there for what son is there whom a father does not chasten? And so he talks here about the chastening that is for every one of us. So that couldn't be what he was talking about over in 1 Corinthians because those are rare situations. There is correction from the Lord that comes to all of us. This word chastening, if you have a New King James, you'll notice in the margin it says discipline. It's actually the, the Greek word for child training. That would be the best definition of this word chastening would be child training. You know, we, cha we train our children and sometimes we have to rebuke them. And, if so and sometimes if they don't respond to the rebuking, then we have to do some, we have to step it up a notch. Isn't that right? This is child training here he's talking about. The way he corrects us is by speaking to us. He speaks correction into our life. So what's the first step? And I'm so conscious of spit now. I see this spittle coming out everywhere now. That's why I'm up here. Don't worry, it's not reaching you. Hallelujah. 
the first step in overcoming spiritual weariness or depression or whatever you want to call it is don't despise the correction of the Lord. Welcome his input into your life. Welcome it. Celebrate it. Ask for it. Be open to it. Don't resist and don't despise the correction of the Lord. He's trying to help you. That's the first step. The next step, if, if, if he goes on and he talks about this, uh, this chastening, if, in verse 11 he says, now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness, righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Correction, rebuke, uh, setting you straight. Sometimes he, 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 he talks to me pretty sternly about things. And I thank God for it. He has saved my life over more times than once by doing that. And I'm sure he has you too. But then we want to go down to verse 12. Here's the second one. Now, the second key to overcoming spiritual depression is like a miracle drug. Now, imagine if you would that, that somebody came out with a drug, a miracle drug in the natural that worked for everything. I mean, it would cure headaches. It cures cancer, diabetes, arthritis. If you've broken your arm, it'll heal that. If you've got an upset stomach, it'll heal that. If you have a rash on your face, it'll heal that. It'll heal hiccups. The cold. I mean, anything you can think of. You stump your toe, you could take this magical pill and your, and your toe would be good. Can you imagine such a, such a drug that would cure everything? I mean, it works on everything. This next step is sort of like that. This is a miracle prescription from God that works on every situation in life. Every kind of problem you have, this next one works on all of them. This is a wonder key. <laughs> Verse number 12, therefore strengthen the hands which hang down. The older King James says this a little better. It says, lift up the hands. Now this comes from Isaiah 35. And so it, it, I'm not sure if it's in Isaiah or, or Hebrews, but one of those two in the King James, it says, lift up the hands which hang down. One place it says, lift up the, the feeble hands, I think. But over in, in Isaiah 35, where this is quoted from, it says that those, those feeble hands are hands that are sinking. Well, what happens when your hands are sinking? They're down here. This is supposed to be our hands position. Lift up the hands that hang down. He's talking about praising God. First key, don't despise the correction of the Lord. And the next key is start praising God. Get your hands in the air when, when weariness and discouragement comes. Put your hands in the air and begin to praise the Lord. I'm telling you, it is a miracle key. It, it'll, it'll help you when you're discouraged. It'll help you when you're facing doubt. It'll help you when you're facing sickness. It'll help you when your family's falling apart, when your spouse is mean to you, when your children are acting crazy. Whatever's going on, praise will always help. So lift up those hands 
that hang down. Amen. You know, at first you have to do it by faith. You don't feel like lifting your hands. You feel like just thinking about your problems. Thinking about coronavirus. Thinking about vacation. Thinking about what you're going to do. Remind me, Pastor Greg, I forgot my video. Remind me before we leave this morning. (laughs) Thank you. It's got a big sign on the chair, video. (laughs) Uh, What was I saying? (laughs) You start out by faith. You don't feel like praising God. So, well, I don't feel like praising the Lord. Well, that's that's the very time you really need to praise God when you don't feel like it. So you, and you know, uh, the old adage, you know, count your blessings. When, when you're in this kind of, a, of shape, you can't always even think of any blessings. I mean, your life is so blessed. You have so many things to be thankful for, but for, for there, for the, uh, in a situation like that, you almost can't think of anything that's good. It seems like everything in your life is going wrong. It, you have to do it by faith. Start praising God because he's worthy. Now, now turn with me real quick. Hold your place here and go over to Isaiah 35 said something else here that goes along with this. Isaiah 35, down in verse number. Verse three says, strengthen the weak hands. That's where it says the, the, the sinking hands and make firm the feeble knees. Now notice, notice verse, verse four, it says, say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and with a recompense of God and he will come and save you. He said, say this to those who are fearful hearted. Well, if you could say it to somebody else who's fearful hearted, you can surely say it to yourself. Say this to yourself before you say it to anybody else. I'm gonna say that again. Say this to your bad self before you say it to anybody else. Because when you got the mully grubs, you got a frown on your face, nobody wants to have you telling them to praise God. Amen. So say to yourself, first of all, be strong. Be strong. You know in the natural you've had to do that times, things have happened and you've realized, you know, this is no time for letting my emotions get a, get a, uh, control of my life. I need to be strong in this. I need to be strong for somebody else. Well, you need to be strong for yourself so that you can be strong for somebody else. So you have to remind yourself sometimes to be strong, do not fear, for behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. In other words, he will come on the scene in all of his power and he will put to flight all of your enemies. He will come with the, he will come with the full load of the Godhead. I mean, everything he needs to be, everything he needs to deliver, the full package he's going to bring your way. Glory to God. He will come and save you. He will come and heal you. He will come and deliver you. He will come and encourage you. You start out by faith, but if you'll begin to praise God, I'm telling you, things will change. Oh, glory to God. Number two, or number three, excuse me, third step. He says, strengthen and make, let me just go back over here and look at it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Make firm your feeble knees. 
What does that mean? What happens when your knees are, are feeble? You have trouble getting up. He said, spiritually, get your spiritual knees in order. In other words, get up. Get up. Spiritually, get up. As you begin to praise God, you're not praising God from a wimpy standpoint. Well, I just thank you, Lord. I know you're good. No, get yourself up out of that. In Acts chapter 3, you know, Peter and John went up to the temple and they found a man who had, who had been crippled all of his life, 40 years. It says they laid him daily at the gate. They laid him. You don't have to look at it, but you, you can look at it if you want to. It's in Acts chapter 3. They laid him daily. That means he, he couldn't stand up. They had to lay him down. And, and it goes on to say in the fourth chapter that this miracle of healing happened on this man who was over 40 years old. He had been like this since birth. And he's laid out. Now notice what it says about, well, go ahead and look at it. Go to, go to Acts chapter 3. Acts 3, it's good to look. Acts chapter 3, I'm not doing this because I don't remember. I want you to see it. <laughs> Verse number 3. Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Nazareth rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. Well, the man couldn't rise up and walk. He was incapable of rising up and walk. He's laid flat. But notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say that Peter and John went over there and one got under his left shoulder and one got under his right shoulder and picked him up in his arm, with his armpits, you know, and, and hoisted him. That's not what it says. It says that Peter took him by the right hand. Not both hands, the right hand. Took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Now I guarantee you, if even Eric, I guess Eric is, is or Larry, who's the tallest guy in here today? Maybe Eric, I don't know. I think I saw Larry Green, he's a pretty good sized guy. If I'm laying flat in the floor, and, and Eric takes me by my right hand. You know, even, this, even, even though uh, uh, Eric, as tall as he is, he is not going to be able to pick me up off the floor by my right hand and lift me up in the air. That's just not going to happen. But it says that Peter took him by the right hand and lifted him up. That tells me that man had to respond to some degree. He had to do something to help himself or Peter would not have been able to pick him up. Like I said, it doesn't say that he got up under his, under his armpits and lifted up. Took him by, not both hands, right hand and lifted up. This, what I'm saying is this man had to give effort. Remember the man in the, in the, in the synagogue when Jesus went in that had the withered hand? Jesus said to him, stretch out your hand. You've heard me teach on this many times. Here's a man, his, his hand is all withered and, 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 and atrophied, you know. And he said, stretch out your hand. Well, he, he wasn't capable of stretching out his hand. That was his problem. But the Greek says that as he stretched it out, 
his hand was restored as whole as that. In other words, as he made the effort, I believe with all of my heart that when Peter took this man by the hand, the man raised his hand to greet Peter's. He wanted the help. And when Peter pulled on him, I, I, I just have to believe that he gave some effort to it. And when he did, it says his feet and ankle bones received strength. I'm telling you what, if you will, in your situation, if you will give effort, if you will begin to praise God and then make up your mind, I'm getting up out of this depression. I'm getting up out of this fear. I'm putting coronavirus behind me. I'm going on with my life. I'm going to live, glory to God. Strengthen those knees and get up. Praise God. Just get up. Hallelujah. Why well, I sit here, you know, the, the, the four lepers. You know, the four lepers, the, the, the Syrians had come in and encamped around Samaria and the children of Israel, you know, and uh, they looked at each other and said, you know, we can sit here, we're going to die. If we go out there, we might die, but we're going to die sitting here. We'll just, why sit here and die? It's a good question. Why just sit in your condition and stay there when you can get up? Because the Lord won't help you until you get up. You might, you might need help finishing the getting up, but he'll only start helping you when you start putting effort to it. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Need to, need to wrap this up. And then make straight paths for your feet. Now, is that in, uh, I've turned away from Hebrews. Is that in Hebrews 12? Yeah, make straight paths for your feet. So that what is lame may be may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. Make straight paths for your feet. The reason you're in this condition is in the first place is because you've taken a wrong turn somewhere. You've turned aside somewhere. You've not you've turned aside from the straight way by listening to the news or listening to other people or listening to everybody on Facebook and, and listening to all of your favorite news outlets, you, you've turned aside from the word. Amen. So that's, that's your first problem. So, so by beginning to welcome the chastening of the Lord, letting him talk to you, and then beginning to praise God for the correction and praise God for everything, and then making a determination, I'm going to get up and get out of this. And then it's time to change your direction. You got to turn away from the thing that led you astray and, and, and make straight paths for your feet. Amen. 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 Make straight paths. Have you ever had your, you ever had your toes stepped on? I mean, physically, physically. My wife just said, oh yeah, because that happens to her a lot. I don't know what it is, but I, but, but Angela and I will be in the kitchen or in the bathroom where we're at and, and I'll turn around and step on her toes. It happens quite often. And, and, and she always said, well, I shouldn't have had my toes sticking out. And it's usually, she's got herself in a weird position and her feet are way out like this. Huh? I mean, I'm just, I'm just turning and all of a sudden her toes are under me. And she has to readjust. I do that all the time. The reason she gets her toes stepped on is they're in the wrong place. <laughs> now she was with me a minute ago. Now she's not with me anymore. <laughs> get your feet pointed in the right direction and your toes won't be in the way. 
says here, he says, make straight paths for your feet. That would include your toes. So that what is lame may not be. Now, the older King James says, I think it says turned out of the way. Is that what it says, honey? So that your, your feet are not turned out of the way. See, if you keep going in a direction of doubt and fear and confusion and discouragement and weakness and, and all of that, you, you can eventually completely backslide. You can completely turn yourself out of the way completely. That's serious. I mean, I see people backsliding. It happens. There are people that used to be strong people in our church. I'm too, you know, we've been together 40 years. I can tell you any number of people that at one time, they were strong in God. They came in every service. They worshiped God. They witnessed. I mean, they lived for God. They're full of the Holy Ghost, loved God. And now they're not even living for God. Well, that didn't happen overnight. They didn't do what I'm talking about here this morning. And they, they didn't, when, they're, when they went the wrong direction and started losing their joy and losing their peace and losing their witness and losing the presence of God, instead of doing these things, they just kept going that direction until they eventually were turned out of the way. New King James says dislocated. They became dislocated. They became dislocated from their church and from their f- spiritual family and, and eventually from fellowship with God entirely. Well, praise the Lord, you don't want that happening to you. Amen. Turn your feet in the right direction and God will heal your toes. <laughs> I'm treading dangerously here again, but my wife's toes never get any better until they get out from under my feet. <laughs> They're not going to get any better unless she moves them because I'm in the right spot. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> let's, let's wrap this up. Go over to, go over to uh, Isaiah 35. Oh, hallelujah. Go quickly. Wrap this up. Isaiah 35. Hallelujah. He says, verse three, strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees, Say to those who are fearful hearted, say it to yourself first. Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then, then, when you do those things, then what will happen? Then the eyes of the blind will be open. You'll begin to see all those blessings in your life. You can't think of them necessarily when you're discouraged, but you start praising God and make up your mind you're going to get out of this and you're going to start going the right direction and start doing right again. Praise God. Amen. Your eyes will be opened and suddenly you'll say, well, you know what? There are blessings all around me. Look at my family. Look at my situation. Yeah, I've got this knucklehead devil trying to do this one thing and I'm all consumed about that. Look at all my blessings. Your eyes will be opened to the things you need to see. Not only that, your ears, the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. You'll begin to hear from God again. Oh, hallelujah. He went on to say, then the lame shall leap like a deer. Ooh, 
Then the lame shall leap like a deer. Your joy and rejoicing will be returned to you. The shout that you once had that people were so drawn to that they loved about you because you're always full of joy and always, always uplifting and brought an encouraging word. That'll return to you. Oh, glory to God. The lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. Instead of just, you know, grumbling and being down and discouraged, you will begin to sing and praise God. I'm telling you, it'll change your whole life. It'll change your whole life. The water shall burst forth in the wilderness. See, when you're discouraged like this, you're in the wilderness. You're, you're like that TV show that the kids liked, uh, Stranger Place, Stranger Things. They're in the upside down world. You, any of you see that? They're in the upside down. Some of you don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, everything's weird. Everything's crazy. Everything's out of sort. You see, get out of that and get back in the right realm. Amen. And see, according to this show, behind the scenes, there was this wilderness going on, this underworld on the upside down world. All this creepy stuff was going on. You see, you can, feel, you can stay in the creepiness if you want to. Or you can do these things and you can get back in the right realm. Glory to God. And there will be water and refreshing. He talks about water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. You've been in the desert before? Ooh, and you're in the desert. I tell you what, you need a stream. Glory to God. Streams in the desert and uh, whoo, waters. Oh, the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of jackals where each lay, there shall be grass and reeds with reeds and rushes. In other words, the land will be full of water. And where the, where, you know, when it's desert and dry, that's where the jackals are. They're in the dry places. But when it gets flooded with, with water, they have to leave. Pastor Angela in the King James says dragons. <laughs> Instead of jackals, it says the habitation of dragons. I tell you what, you, you know, the, the devil likes to inhabit those dry places in your life. He likes to get in there and just lay around, you know, little deceiving spirits and tormenting spirits. They just try to talk to you. I tell you what, you get the water flowing, glory to God, and they will have to get up and get out of there. Glory. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I'm going to close this out. Did you get blessed this morning? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.